Maybach, Doppelbach, Icebach, it's Bacapalooza in this episode. Today we're going to talk about this delicious style of lager. Well, more than just talking, we're probably going to be drinking it too. So uh, come in and have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about the glorious drink called beer. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. Hola. Hey, guys. Hey, <laughs> so it's been a whole a whole week since we've seen each other. Yeah. It's always weird yeah, to get that... used to when that happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, the last time we were, uh, I drove up to to see you guys for uh, for an event we were having up in, up in Covington. Oh yeah, uh, we were well, we went down to Braxton of all places. Who'd have guessed? I'm, you know, I don't think I've ever heard about you guys going to Braxton before. <laughs> never, it's never happened. That's right, that's right, Tyler. Never happens. <laughs> but uh, it's our local place. What do you want us to do? Yeah, <laughs> um, we were on uh, briefly on Cincy Brewcast just to talk about the show. Uh, Gnarly Gnome, who runs Cincy Brewcast. Wanted to have us on, and it was great. And we spent most of the time just oogling his setup. Yeah. Like, oh, look at his mixer. Oh, look at this. Oh, ooh, ooh, oh. <laughs> oh, the like, headphones are nice. Oh, yeah, everything. Oh, all these nice headphones and his mics. And oh, this, this is great. And we're just like, yeah, our mixer, which half the channels are blown out after we spilled a beer on it. <laughs> My favorite thing, though, was the unexpectedness of getting to sit next to the head brewer of Braxton. And we're just like, he's still he's still here, you guys. <laughs> we go to sit down, and he's still sitting there. And we're like, oh, my God. It's like, oh, he, he laughed at our jokes. It, yeah. It was, that... oh. But we also got no, to try uh, beers it... while we were there. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, like, we uh, we had to try a couple things. They they were trying out their, their uh, was the Big Sis Pilsner. Which was, was the... yeah, for the, for the, the whole, I, the whole event was a benefit for, um, the former uh, creator, I guess, and host of Cincy Brewcast, uh, Mike Cicernos. Yeah, he unexpectedly passed away a couple, uh, months, couple ago. months ago now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he had a stroke. Yeah. He'd had a history of strokes, and finally one claimed him. But they had a big night, uh, raffled off all kinds of stuff. I spent a bit of money on raffle tickets and ended up not winning anything. Made me sad. I, I spent a little money on raffle tickets and a bit more on beer. Yeah, because, okay, the Big Sis Pilsner. Uh, Pilsner was Mike's favorite style of beer, and it was really good. I mean, it was like everybody, you could see everyone just taking a sip and just like nodding their head. Like, it was a solid Pilsner. It was Surprisingly good. hoppy Pilsner, too. Well, yeah. I mean, like, Pilsners can, can range over to a bit more of the hoppy side sometimes. So that, it, it was, it was nice. It was a nice, clean, crisp sort of, sort of hop in there, too. So you're like, oh, mm, 
Yeah. And uh, what stole the show for the evening, I believe, was the Rum Barrel Age Snow Shovel. And Snow Shovel is their the winter warmer. Yeah, it's their winter warmer. It's pretty heavily spiced. It's a little unfortunate that they really that they had that out the same time they had the big sis because the night should have been all about that. But man, was that rum barrel aged, uh, oh. rum barrel aged uh, snow shovel good? Yeah, it was aged in rum barrels for almost a year. You could smell it too. As soon as you, as soon as your nose got near the glass, it just smelled of rum, and it was amazing. And and not in a, but it wasn't heavily boozy. It was that sweetness that you get from the rum. Yeah. And then the back end was cinnamon from the winter warmer. It was, it, oh, we got, we only got one bottle of it. I still want to get another one. Yeah. We, we got our fill on tap and, uh, apparently made some distribution. We could maybe find bottles elsewhere. Got a bottle I'm going to hold on to until Casey can make it up again. Share the love. Yeah. But we, what I think around the time we discovered how good that was, we ended up having to record, which was a fun experience. And like Brittany mentioned, unexpectedly, the head brewer of Braxton decided to chill out for that whole segment too. So we're like, oh, um, <laughs> no, no pressure or anything. No pressure, guys. Yeah. Yeah, but we no, had just gotten our snow shovels and then sat down to record. Yeah, uh, but it was no, we had a great time. Uh, we got to hang out and talk with Gnarly Gnome a little bit. We did have a funny moment right when we came in because we were like, I, none of us know what he looks like because, you know, he, whenever you, you know, he doesn't put pictures of himself on like, you know, his Twitter or anything. It's an avatar of a gnome. Yeah. And so like, how are we going to find him? We look over, we see a table set up with mics and a guy <laughs> sitting there doing tests, you know, mic tests on him. We went, never mind. <laughs> and I went to introduce Problem. myself and thankfully he recognized me and I was like, sweet, we're, we're <laughs> this is all going to be fine. <laughs> Yeah, we had a good time with that. And uh, speaking of rum barrel stuff, afterwards we came back here, a few things that I'd stashed. Uh, I think last episode we talked about the rum barrel aged uh, vanilla porter from... uh, Shoots? No. No. Breckenridge. The lighters? No, it's from Breckenridge. Always a good guess, though. And (laughs) I've been holding that bottle for like a year. We'd gotten a bottle fresh, and it was delicious. Amazing. And then we popped this one, and it soured. And immediately I took to untapped and looked, and sure enough, every check-in for the past, like, two months on the beer, everyone is just like, oh, God, it's soured. And it's just like, man. (laughs) I kept trying to suffer through it for a bit when we tried it, because I was like, maybe maybe there's something I'm missing. Was this what this style was supposed to be? Maybe maybe I, maybe he grabbed the wrong beer and this is like some sort of extra sour. No, no. Say, you know, I don't know, an extra sour saison or something maybe. And I'm like, this just isn't what I thought it was going to be. And he's like, yeah, this is soured. Okay, it's not just me. <laughs> yeah, fresh. It was amazing and delicious. Uh, that soured bottle of garbage. No, that that was down the drain. I would have drank that whole glass you gave me in silence if you had not said anything. <laughs> I would have just sat there going like. Maybe I just don't know. Maybe I'm having a stroke right now. <laughs> but yeah, it wouldn't have been as bad if it hadn't been the second bum beer of the yeah. night. Because before that, we had tried to pop up one of the donut beers. Uh, it was actually the one that had won. I don't get it because apparently none of the bottles were carbonated that they sold. It was from yeah, Mr. yeah, because that was just the, like it. It drinking no syrup. cascading. It was like literally just watching. 
watching syrup be poured into something, basically. Yeah, yeah so unfortunate. As soon as I popped the cap and there was no hiss, I was like, that's not good. <laughs> and we poured it and tried to drink it, but I was like, oh, it, I mean, you can taste what they were supposed to be, like, like a toasted coconut uh, barrel-aged stout. And, and no, chocolate and, and whatnot. Cho- yeah, yeah, but... So I had two bottles of that that ended up going down the drain. So that hurt. Yeah. But there what, were a couple of things that we broke into the stash that were pretty good. Yeah, um, Mad Tree's uh, uh, Axis Mundi. It was their cof- yeah. coffee and vanilla Axis Mundi. Mm-hmm. That was good. That was actually completely fine. And we had just gotten that within the last week, too. Uh, so it wasn't a total loss for the night, but... It was disappointing to to you know pop out. I now know how those how those guys would have felt if they kept their uh, uh, was it dogfish heads, uh, not dogfish head, uh, Goose Island. Why do, oh, why do yeah. I get those two? Right. If they had aged that for like five years and then went to pop it open and then be like, oh god, why? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. After having been cursed with an infected beer, now now that is just the worst. On a stout. I, I commend I commend Goose Island on their idea to go. All right, well we gotta just pull it all, yeah. bring it back. We made up. We made a mistake. Our bad guys. All right, but you all don't want to hear any more about that. So mm. we'll just go ahead on into the news. <clears throat> so our first story, uh, we've got another. This isn't a brewer swap. This is just a brewer leaving, going somewhere else. Brewer abandonment. Yes, abandonment. That that kind of works uh, the best. Uh, it's Surly's loss of founding brewer Todd, and we were we've been going on about how to say his last name. Haug. Haug. I don't know. That's what I'm going with. H a u g. H a u g. Todd Haug. Uh, just more painful as he's heading to Chicago. Yeah, brewer Todd Haug goes to Chicago lands three Floyds. So, <laughs> this one hurts Minneapolis. So brace yourselves. That's the article talking about me. Yeah. Uh, Todd, the brewer most associated with the maximalist, super hopped, uh, still sweetly malty IPA that he pioneered with Surly Furious, effectively turning it into Minneapolis's signature beer style, is leaving for Chicagoland's Three Floyds Brewing Company. Three Floyds is the very uncompromising brewery with the slogan, Not Normal, that was ranked this year as the fourth best brewery on the planet. Wow. So I had no idea they were being... That highly valued. I mean, I've not had a bad beer from them, so it's It's really not that big of a shock, I guess. It's just the planet is a big thing. (laughs) I mean, there are bigger. You know, it's not like the best on Jupiter. Who knows what spacemen are brewing up there? Exactly. We don't know what else is coming out of the galaxy. We just don't know. Oh, man. Let's do intergalactic edition of Have a Drink. (laughs) But, uh... This was, whoever wrote this article apparently got to sit down with him. They got to talk to him and his uh, Todd and his wife uh, as they drove back to the Twin Cities after house hunting in Chicago. They say, Todd told me he will not be replacing head brewer Chris... Bogus? 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 Bogus. Uh, but joining him to help with expansion plans for the brewery because, as those of us in their distribution area know, there's been a lot more Three Floyds coming around because their expansion is slowly coming online. Yeah. He will also. Uh, need, hmm. I bet they need a couple of head brewers now. Like, no, it's too much. Yeah, yeah. there's got to be a lot going on. They have. There's a video out there you can track down on YouTube where they're giving a big tour and they're like tripling the size 
of their brewery and opening a distillery. So things are getting kind of crazy there. Wow. Big tour in Little Chicago. <laughs> he will also eventually brew some of his own signature beers. Uh, his wife, Linda Haug, <laughs> is joining Three Floyds, too. She will be consulting on their brew pub. Uh, they say, I first met uh, Nick from the Floyd, of one of the Floyds of Three Floyds, the owner, when I was in Chicago as a brewer for Rock Bottom. We actually have a Rock Bottom here, and it's a pretty good place. Todd told me, and it sounds corny, but this weekend felt like I was coming home. It's a really good fit, and there's a lot of mutual respect. It's a safe haven for my music career, too, he says, so that's going to... Seem like he's a bit of a heavy metaler since Three Floyds is notoriously heavy metal since all of their beers, they get uh, heavy metal art, the artists who do heavy metal album covers to do yeah. all their labels for their beers and actually do a lot of beers uh, with heavy metal bands, like death metal bands, and name it after them. Like I've got uh, the Skeleton Witch beer in the fridge I still want to try because when your favorite band and your favorite brewery get together... <laughs> <laughs> that's just a match made in, in my guts in my belly but uh, what they're saying is um, okay what this whole thing came down to is uh, whether or not Todd uh, was fired or quit and uh, he resigned uh, hours after this year's cult beer darkness released uh, mm -hmm. I've never had it but like everyone in the Twin Cities, uh, they're surprised earlier this year when Linda was let go. His wife apparently had been fired from Surly, uh, especially since she had sold her successful Cafe 28 to join them and help build the food side of the bar hall, beer hall. But uh, it was, I keep saying I, that's the way this article's written. Uh, more shocked to learn that Todd had no ownership stake employee stock, or any other financial incentive to remain at Surly. So, I mean, I'm surprised to, to know that. I mean, yeah, that's... When, would you not do something to keep your head brewer there? Right, did they just, I mean, that seems like something they took for granted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, mm. that's absolutely crazy not to, you know, even a few years, I get they were like a startup, and may not have been able to him offer him that in the beginning, but later on be like, oh yeah, we, do you want, you know, we'll give you this stock stake or, you know, you can have this. No, there's still, he was just, all he got was a paycheck. <laughs> that was it. Uh, the brewery ballooned from a tiny startup to a $35 million destination brewery in the decade that Todd was inventing, brewing, naming, branding, and marketing beers for them. I'm just a lowly brewmaster, noted Todd, and uh, that they marketed the shit out of me. <laughs> when I saw what they did to Linda after she never had a bad performance review or one word of warning, I had to ask, could they do the same to me? And obviously the answer he came to was, yes, they could. <laughs> but when uh, Nick over at Three Floyds heard what was happening uh, to his wife, uh called her immediately and said, if you guys could work for us, that would be an all-star team of brewers and hospitality people. Yeah, it seems like a really good get for, for Three Floyds. Uh, apologies to anyone from... Uh, from Surly? Anyone from the Minneapolis area? Yeah, Minneapolis. That's the region I'm thinking of. I almost said Minnesota. No, I need to be more... <laughs> a little bit tighter. Like, yeah, no... Something's going to be a good deal for me. I can occasionally get some Three Floyd stuff. Oh, yeah. And uh, 
they came up with a bunch of questions that are kind of dumb. But one thing that got spurred off right about the same time that he left, rumors started coming out that they were going to sell, that Surly was going to sell out. So everyone immediately kicked into high gear with like everything else that we've seen whenever a CEO or head brewers leave is that they end up selling. And that's kind of what we were wondering about uh, New Belgium and things like that recently. And this article, this all started a week or two ago. And finally, I think it was today, I saw an article that Surly had to speak up and say, no, we're not selling out. Just leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> leave us alone. We did something dumb and it's biting us in the ass right now. Yeah. But no, they're, everyone's still wondering if they're going to be selling because that is a good indicator. But no, it was apparently all personal reasons. Yeah. That sucks for Surly, but uh, but it's awesome for Three Floyds, right? Even and more again, purely selfish up. reasons makes me a little excited. <laughs> All right, next article: Is this man the Doctor Frankenstein of beer? Frankenstein. Frankenstein. So I'm not going to go into the whole first half of this article. It is lengthy and wordy, and it's really reading someone's dissertation. I started reading this uh, early this morning and still haven't gotten to the part that he's going to start the article in. Yeah, you all don't want to hear about that. And it's actually a lot of stuff that we've talked about in previous episodes uh, because this article is dealing with yeasts. So especially our last homebrew episode. like (laughs) Really, a lot of what they're talking about is covered there. Uh, The only thing is it introduces you because since we're picking this article up halfway through, it just expects you to know who they're talking about. Uh, Who are they talking about? Well, uh, we're talking about a professor and scientist from uh, University of Leuven in Flanders, Belgium. So oh. that should tell you a little bit about what's going on. Flanders is a infamous style of sour beer, and Belgium is infamous for, well, beer. Beer. <laughs> <laughs> They're just infamous. <laughs> Waffles and beer. Yeah, but, all right, we're going to cut into this one. Uh, Dr. Frankenstein of beer. Uh, Using novel yeast strains created in the lab, Verstreppen believes he can make brewing cheaper and more environmentally friendly. The idea of handcrafting a designer yeast from scratch isn't just a crazy idea dreamed up after one too many rounds at the pub. A new molecular technique called CRISPR, which is absolutely everywhere. Everyone go look that up. It's amazing. Going to change the world. I don't know if for the better we're going to create super mutants, but hey, look. Sometimes you got to get a few super mutants to create <laughs> genetically perfect. Oh god, this is sounding an awful lot like eugenics. <laughs> it kind of does. To listen to the stuff you should know episode on it, they're like, wow, it walks like a creepy eugenics line. Uh, but CRISPR works like a cut and paste tool for DNA, and it's really simple to use and uh, it's made uh, everything quick and easy with Verstreppen's insight into hundreds of brewers yeast genomes he could pick and choose which genes to add to archive a new organism with the desired traits to prove the concept uh, Verstreppen tinkered around with the genes responsible for produ- for producing isoamyl I can't talk tonight <laughs> isoamyl acetate acetate yes the banana flavored compound Instead of the normal range from 0 to 30-fold production, Verstreppen tweaked the genome and made a yeast that produced 100 times the normal amount. 
The resulting it also broom... has tentacles and has been known to kill men with its bare tentacles. And can't go into the sunlight. Uh, the resulting... <laughs> don't, feed it after, don't feed it after midnight. <laughs> the resulting brew tasted like a bit of an artificial banana milkshake mixed with beer. That's when I if I had a drink of something like that and it tasted like that, I would throw it down going, What is science rot? <laughs> it's alive Yeah. So he he's less than convinced he's created the next hit brew in his lab. It doesn't sound very appealing, and to be honest it wasn't he he admits. <laughs> but it was cool to drink as a scientist. Yeah. Future applications of this technology could be much more practical and presumably tastier too. Hopefully, it will enable us to expand the aroma landscape of beers or make more efficient yeast, Verstreppen says. Uh, I think the most promising side of these genetically modified technologies is that you can take an existing yeast and make the exact beer you want. The perfect Budweiser or Miller or whatever. Yeah. Well, what? <laughs> well now, as an official home brewer... Uh, <laughs> No, uh, I was just saying, yeast makes all the difference in the world to a lot of this stuff. So it, this is this is really interesting work the guy's working on. Uh, so I, I like the idea and I like the experiments going forward. And you know, somewhere there's a there's some people in Germany with the Reinheitsgebot that are trying to have this man killed. I'm sure. Oh yes, his assassination uh, is probably planned. But. I'm I'm always down for experimental stuff when it comes to beer and yeah. Oh yeah, there's a lot of other things going on with this. Uh, they're saying with a few snips of DNA, a deleted gene here, an addition or two over there, you could make a yeast that ferments faster or is tolerant to higher alcohol, all without altering the taste. What if, what if we could make one that was literally your entire diet in one beer? I mean. Possibly. Well, maybe not one beer, but you know. That is odd. I, I'm, on the one hand, I'm excited because I guess science, you know, experimentation, like this sounds fascinating. But on the other hand, I'm like, I, some of the genetically modified stuff kind of freaks me out a little bit. I think. Yeah. But genetically modifying for years. Yeah. Just... No, um, if you want to be real specific, we've been genetically modifying since the start of humanity. That's what I meant. <laughs> by, by years, I meant millennia. Yeah, this is... By t- by picking and choosing and throwing out what we didn't like. Exactly. Yeah. That's where That's true. the modification starts. So when you oh, I want GMO-free this and that, like, well, it's impossible because it's Too not bad. existed for... You think cows like being years. like they are right now? No, we did we, that to them. We bred them that way. That's why they are that way. It wasn't, a, it wasn't in a laboratory. It was picking and choosing, and over generations, they became what we wanted them to become. Corn, bananas. It's exactly what happened with them. Corn well, now has become more of an actual scientific thing where they're going in there and screwing around with it. I mean, it's only the logical step. We've we've done all we can the slow way. <laughs> Got to make these corns bigger, faster, stronger than they were before. Well, we made carrots orange. They they weren't orange originally, and we wouldn't have Honeycrisp apples if there mm. wasn't genetically modified stuff. I gotta say, jazz apples are still the best. Mm. I've only ever seen them I'm in a tiny little market. Like a, and, Northern California. Know, but... a, a Louis Armstrong-shaped apple. <laughs> <laughs> Take a bite, and you just hear just a trumpet playing somewhere. Going, what the? What? Or you just hear the Chuck Mangione in the background. Does it feel so good? Speaking of that, did you guys crack up in the middle of Doctor Strange, or at the beginning of Doctor Strange? Yes. 
Oh, during that part particularly? Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot I don't to... wanna, like, nope, maybe not everybody has seen the movie Doctor Strange yet, so I don't want to say anything, but no a joke that I've made a lot is semi-referenced in there, and I was like, oh, God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, this is great. <laughs> well, yeah, spoilers aside, like, the music is just pretty great in the movie generally, in anyway. Generally, and but... they're... they're there is a Chuck Mangione song in it, and it's pretty great. So, right. Well, uh, there is an aspect to, back to the article, an aspect to this that we've not talked about that is fantastic moving forward, and uh, it's good news for brewers, but it's also good for the environment. If brewers could use designer yeast to make fermentation more efficient, they would waste less energy heating, cooling, and cleaning enormous fermentation vessels. Many companies use uh, high-gravity brewing to make strong brews, that are diluted prior to bottling. If other yeasts could be engineered to tolerate high-gravity brewing, traditional beers could be made quicker. The bottom line, you can make beers cheaper without losing quality. I mean, that does sound pretty good. That, I feel like that would change uh, change home brewing. Or change, not just home brewing, but that would change, like, craft brewing drastically. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling these yeasts would be incredibly expensive to get a hold of. That would be the real issue, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, at, you could at see at the first... big... At first, yes, uh, you would only see bigger operations able to get a hold of them. But, I mean, just being able to cut the, I mean, what you would save energy-wise and all that, it's amazing. There's a second half of this article we're not even going to talk about because it's the future of the Frankenbrew. And there's just a big aside where where it just says it all. We're a long way off from having brewers accept any genetically modified organisms. Which it does mention the Ryan High School about, so yeah, I, I, they get into the whole thing about it, really. This this guy's like, I'm too close to Germany, guys. They'll <laughs> they'll conquer me just to make sure this doesn't happen. Won't be the first time they've marched through Belgium. But yeah, I would be excited to see it for the environmental reasons come working its way through. But I mean that it's all just so far off. I mean, yeah. I've got to think over a hundred years away from something like this being perfected. I'm sure within. Within our lifetimes, we can see some brewery somewhere actually doing market experimentation with it. Like, we may be able to taste beers made from these yeasts, but I don't think we'll see large scale. I'm just picturing, like, well, I mean, maybe maybe at that point we'll, we'll be living forever. We'll upload our brains into some <laughs> sort of robot body. The strength of five gorillas. I'm okay with this. And I mean, then, as I like, mean... wait, would the robot body drink beer? I mean, if we've what, learned what nothing from mortality at that cost, <laughs> is that a life worth living? All right, so that's that story. Uh, we'll post a link to it if you want to actually read their big, not waste of time, but it's just a lot of background that we've covered on previous episodes about yeast. Uh, I've you been can... scrolling since since this morning. I still haven't found the bottom of the page. <laughs> not even that long. <laughs> All right, our third and final story. Hitchhiker travels 5,000 miles from Scotland to India by swapping free beer for rides and accommodation. Sounds oh, man. Awesome, this doesn't is going to be the best story ever. Like a guy just one day was like, you know what? And he went down, got him a couple cases of beers. Like, let's see how far, let's see what see what happens, see how far we can get. I mean, imagine at some point he's, he's going to have to trade for trade some beer for other beer and just keep keep going. Yeah. If that were the case, that's kind of what the headline leads you to believe here. But no, this was actually a brewery sponsored, basically, ad campaign. With uh, some travel blogger. Yeah, the guy's a travel blogger already. Like, part of his blog is hitchhiking. 
So this is nothing new. Uh, Nothing bonds. Huh? If you're going to have someone, you know, hitchhike across the country with beer for your ad campaign, you do kind of want to find a professional hitchhiker. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of helps. Which really sounds more like professional serial killer when I say it out loud. (laughs) Nothing bonds strangers like a friendly conversation over a beer or two. This in mind, a veteran backpacker was able to hitchhike and couch surf all the way from Edinburgh to Delhi with only beer as his currency. Man, the North Sea must have been a trick. <laughs> hmm. Jesus. <laughs> Going up to boats, just like, I got a couple cases of beer. I mean... Can I get, is that worth a ticket? They're like, no. I feel like that would actually probably work. If you could, like, find an oil rig or something, hmm. then there's like, yes, beer! <laughs> But Dep- during... it, it depends on what port he's coming out of. If he tries to like do that onto like some commercial liner mm. or some, they're like, no, no, we've got tourists. During Manny Marshall's eight-week, five-thousand-mile adventure, he shared 120 cans of Innocent Gun. Guess who sponsored the whole thing? Uh, <laughs> Anheuser Busch. <laughs> craft beer with the people he met on the road in exchange for a free ride and accommodation. Mr. Marshall, 42, is a veteran traveler, having spent 15 years exploring the world and for the past four years has run a blog, Raw Safari. The Australian native was contacted by Innocent Gun with the challenge to recreate the original delivery journey of the India Pale Ales during the 18th and 19th century from Scotland to India. I don't want to enforce uh, uh, national stereotypes here, but is it surprising anyone that an Australian is the guy they tapped, like, here hitchhike and only use beer as currency all right whatever <laughs> yeah it keeps coming up in here about that and people like were always thought it was strange and then he says he's australian and everyone accepts it and moves on and i'm like <laughs> what there's <laughs> like oh it's just what australians do it's fine yeah. but rather than braving the high seas over six months he'd have to make his uh way on the road Intrepid Mr. Marshall gladly accepted sharing his beer-fueled adventures on social media. He hitchhiked through France, Austria, Germany, the Czech Republic, Bulgaria, and Greece before he was flown to India by Innocent Gun to complete the final 900-mile leg of the trip. This story keeps getting less and less impressive. It does. It's just the headline, and it is real clickbaity. I mean, we clicked on it, so... I clicked on it. I did. Aside from it the worked. flying thing, though, I mean, otherwise it did it did work for him. Otherwise, I mean, admittedly, France, Austria, Germany, and the Czech Republic is a sizable amount of distance, and Bulgaria and Greece is a dis- sizable amount of distance to to hitchhike. Yeah, it really is. It's like it's nothing to sneeze at, but then it's like, oh no, he had they had just flying the last nine hundred miles, and you're like, that's decidedly less impressive. <laughs> well, otherwise, all of his social media pictures would look like. Um... Uh, what's the movie? Brad Pitt. Something about Tibet. Uh, the... No, don't help Tibet? or anything. <laughs> I, don't know. I was like, I have no idea. Okay. But, you know, he's, it's set in the 90s about a racist guy. That Whatever. Uh, <laughs> n- never mind. The joke didn't work. Moving on. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, speaking to Mail Online uh, Travel from Goa, Mr. Marshall said he hitched a ride with all kinds of people from high court judges to convicts to a mum with her kids on the way to school and families going on holiday. 
He said seven years in Tibet. Yeah, that's what that's what I thought it was. Okay. I haven't seen it. You were just like Brad Pitt, and you said Tibet, and I'm like, well, Brad Pitt was in seven years in Tibet. Yeah, I needed to know the name of the movie, and I couldn't think of the name of the movie. <laughs> Many drivers just see a guy on the side of the road, and they've got two seconds to make a judgment. But there are some really generous and kind people out there. I've been hitchhiking for more than 10 years, and I kind of expect to meet amazing people all the time. Nope, I'm not one of them. <laughs> I, I don't want to sound mean, but I I, I, I don't like strangers. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm in a situation where I pass hitchhikers because it happens a lot, I have no room in the car because it's usually yeah. us going to see our parents or coming back from seeing our parents and the car is just bogged down with stuff. And it's or, just awkward. We're awkward. I'm, I'm not going to put anyone through that. Yeah. I would not have been one of the guys he would have traded beer for. Also, I'd have been driving. He's like, oh, yeah, we got a beer. <laughs> I, I can't. I'm, I'm in a car. Crack me a beer. <laughs> As none of the drivers asked for payment, they were pleased that their kindness was rewarded with an unexpected token of thanks. Uh, when it came to couch serving, Mr. Marshall explained that his host welcomed a beer to cover the cost of his stay and were thankfully all fairly sociable. See, that, that sociable thing. That's, that's where it would get me. As well as making friends with his host, Mr. Marshall shared his stash of beers, which the company restocked along the way with bemused locals he encountered. That was my other thing. I was like, you know, how are you hitchhiking with 120 cans of beer? Uh, in Prague, he shared a beer with a newlywed couple who happily posed for pictures. They don't really look that happy in the picture. <laughs> They're <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Yeah, with him on the riverbank by Charles Bridge. Uh, he commented on his blog, I congratulated them, and like a typical Aussie, slapped beers in their hands. All I'm thinking of like them going, have you changed this shirt this this entire trip? Right? He's wearing like the same Ramones tank top the whole, like in every picture. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah, I don't think he changed. That could get ripe. He shaved maybe at some point. Maybe that's why they're not that, that excited. <laughs> They were a bit bemused and quite happy about it. I think they thought I was some sort of nut, but I managed to explain I'm (laughs) I'm an Australian, and that seemed to resolve the matter for them. (laughs) Anyway, that's something Czech people and Aussies have in common. We never say no to a brew. Uh, Yeah, but it's this is an entertaining little little story. You know, there's a lot of cool places I'm sure he went to. It's just. I don't know. It would have been more impressive had he done the whole thing by himself. I think it's a lot better, yeah, if it had been by himself, he had just done it. But it's more of the social experiment of can you, you know, can beer just become a currency? And in his case, yeah. he was you're Australian, the answer is yes. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he was just getting by with the beer. He's got a blog and he's got some charm, I'm sure, and could work his way around things because as it said people usually weren't looking for payment and he just gave them the beer but still that's cool edinburgh to uh dilly and well to wherever and then he flew the last 900 miles somewhere in greece all right so that's covering our news it's going to untapped all right get riggedy riggedy all right, first badge is Willet Whiskey Barrel-Aged Imperial Stout. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
When Lagunitas got their hands on some bourbon barrels from Willet Distillery, they knew just what to do with them. Load them with their Imperial Stout and wait. The results are a big, dark, scary barrel-aged beast, finally referred to as Willet Whiskey Barrel-Aged Imperial Stout. Coming in at 11.7% ABV, Willet will only be available for a limited time, so be sure to get some soon. It's chocolatey, coffee smoky, bourbony, beast of a barrel-aged thing. I have looked for it. I have a feeling I'm never going to see this. Usually no, the Lagunitas ones, we don't find them until after the badge time is up. Also, look how tiny the Lagunitas dog is in this badge. Yeah, he's just this tiny little speck. Like, I, I didn't notice him at first. Like, I had to, like, glance, you know, I had to, like, scale the badge down to where, like, he's the only thing I could see in my window. And I was like, oh, <laughs> there's a dog in there. Oh. Uh, you can earn the badge just as special as this release by checking into at least one, which is probably you're going to find, Willet Whiskey Barrel-Aged Imperial Stout from Lagunitas between November 16th, or November 11th, my bad, of this year. 2016. Yeah, and December 11th. Do so, and the Willet Whiskey Barrel-Aged Imperial Stout is all yours. Yeah, good luck mm. finding it. I have a feeling we're not in a distribution area that will see it. Probably not, despite how much how much I would want it. Yeah, right. Because uh, it look it, the sound of it is like oh, well it says bourbon barrel, so that automatically makes it go okay. Yeah, but it, it <laughs> I think it kind of changes it up when the barrels are all coming from the same distillery. Yeah, a lot of places it's like um, with Goose Island, like it's a big mishmash of barrels. It's kind of whatever they get their hands on because they're doing so much. Yeah, so that is like, going to change. Same profile bourbon barrel they granted they do in the end most of them get mixed together in just a big batch but still it is going to change the subtle profiles right all right well we've got another untapped badge uh which is hashtag pour hard <laughs> pour uh, hard it's pour hard during nitrovember which apparently uh, are you ready to pour hard? Let our friends at Left Hand Brewing, uh, our friends at Left Hand Brewing, sure are. This November, Left Hand Brewing is celebrating Nitrovember. I feel like there should be like a, a, a monster truck sound effect <laughs> around there. Nitrovember, Nitrovember. The big pyro things and some kind of fireworks in the background. Yeah. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. It's a month dedicated to their deep, rich, and smooth nitro lineup. This November is the perfect time for Left Hand's nitro-style stouts, uh, and are they are the perfect combination for Stout Day on November 3rd, uh, which we've missed. Came and went. Uh, <laughs> nitro Fest on November 12th. Which we also missed. <laughs> no, uh, yep. just today. Well, it's today, yeah. but by the time of by the time you're listening to this... Yeah. Well, there's no badge for that. That was just a big festival they were having at Left Hand. Uh. Right, but you missed the festival. And, of course, Thanksgiving. Just be sure, for the best drinking experience possible, to pour hard. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing that every time I, I see their hashtag there, because yeah. it's my way of denoting that there's a hashtag. <laughs> uh, join the Nitrovember movement celebration uh, and unlock the bar- uh, unlock a new, brand new badge. Check into one, Milk Stout Nitro, Wake Up the Dead, Wake the Dead, sorry, Wake Up Dead Nitro, Sawtooth Nitro or Bittersweet Nitro between November 3rd and December 3rd, and you'll end, uh, you'll earn the Nitrovember. 
2016 badge. Uh, I don't know why "Wake Up Dead" Nitro was so hard for me to say. <laughs> I could get every time you did that. I was like, "No, I can see." Yeah, I can see how he's doing that. No, completely. <laughs> well, "Wake the Dead" is an actual phrase. "Wake up, dead." "Wake the Dead" sure. makes me think of the Adam's Family movie. That's the game they play at the end. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. "Wake the Dead." Wake All I can think dead. of the Adam's Family movie is Babushka. Da, ma- Mamushka. 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 Uh, so the next badge is from Fuller's. It is for British Pub Month, which is a thing also, apparently. Woo-hoo! Man, so, this is a very eventful month. I know. It's a good thing. To celebrate the history and heritage of the British pub with Fuller's British Pub Month. Uh, without Britain's famous pubs, iconic beer styles like Pale Ale, ESB, and Porter wouldn't exist. So this month, no matter where you live in the world, find your local British pub and raise a pint of Fuller's in celebration. I don't think I've ever had Fuller's. So you can unlock the badge uh, by checking into Fuller's during the month of November. And it's uh, Fuller's British Pub Month badge. That's not fun to say either. <laughs> it's all yours. Uh, you have, Though you don't have to be at a British pub to earn the badge, um, we recommend you find one nearby and experience a pint of Fuller's in its native environment. <laughs> Uh, as if a badge wasn't enough, check into any two beers from Fuller's and earn a free Fuller's Imperial Pint Glass. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Once you check into your second beer, you'll receive a unique promotion code that can be entered to receive your your pint glass for U.S. residents only. Ooh. The game just got changed, ladies and gentlemen. We have to go, yeah. go get some of those. All right. So we're getting some Fuller's? Yeah, that's what we're doing after this? Okay. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll probably forget to get this thing. Get a promo code to get a pint glass. I'm okay with it. All right. I need glassware. <laughs> and they even have a nice link on here um, for British no, Pub Casey Month. Tell Casey about this. He can't listen to this episode. No, Casey, you should have shut it off five minutes ago. Why? Because he has a glassware addiction. Oh, he does. That's true. And but it's a pint it's glass. A... It's probably, like, technically not a, you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those generic ones. Probably. I was going to say, we don't need any glassware either, because people just start gifting us glass, glassware. Like, oh, you, you guys like beer. Here's a new set of glassware. It's like, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. God, I need to, like, if I didn't think Ashley would yell at me, I would buy more glassware for Casey. Oh, she'd kill you. Like, like, like Merry Christmas. And Ashley just looks like us. I'm killing you, Bob. Get out of my house. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they, they have a link on here that's really cool. It's BritishPubMonth.com, and it's where you can actually find British pubs near you in the U.S., so that's pretty cool. Let me guess. The ones near us are, in fact, the British pub. <laughs> Probably the, the, pub? The, the pub restaurant, the pub. yeah. Oh, no, uh, the link doesn't work. <laughs> I just clicked on it, and it it's just got a 404 error. Yep. Oh, that's sad. Never um, mind. We'll never know what pubs are nearby. Yeah, we have no idea. Their link's crap. They should feel bad. All right, our last badge is less of one for everyone and more of a shout-out to a particular listener. Hey, Tyler, I already saw you got it. Uh, Portland Beer Week. That's Portland, Maine, not Oregon. I was going to say, Portland. (laughs) That's all the way in Oregon. What does that have to do with Tyler? Portland, Maine. Yeah, uh, he's already got the badge, but just wanted to give him a shout-out. The badge is out there. People are recognizing you. Unlike Cincinnati... We did not get one for our beer week, so Untapped can F off about that. We're a little salty. Enjoy your badge, though. 
Man, I now want to start saying, you know, this country from Portland to shining Portland. <laughs> from <laughs> Portland to shining Portland. Not wrong. Land between the Portlands. <laughs> you mean the whole country? Yes. Exactly. Oh, I, I was like, wait. Is it time for that bumper? Did I miss that one? What happened? You missed a few things, no. Uh, in case you missed the new bumper, which Did is... Did someone a... say phenols and esters again? <laughs> We're going to head on into the topic now. Phenol that drunk! bastards! Phenol that drunk! Phenol that drunk! I mean, we might be. Evidences to the contrary. Yeah, I mean, I can't read, but that's been a lifelong problem. <laughs> now, uh, so today's episode is uh, box. All kinds of box. I'd be box. Uh, kind of get sick of that joke. I'm sorry, anytime I go somewhere, like if you go somewhere that has like chalkboard art on their uh, their beer list, and they have a box. There's going to be a Terminator on there. I'm mm. just saying. I'll be Bach. Or their Bach is called I'll Be Bach or something like that. Wasn't that the case at uh, Fatheads? Maybe. Well, I mean, the only only other alternative is, you know, Johann Sebastian Bach and just spelled differently. Hey, that's, In fairness, that's when better. coming up with the intro to the episode, I tried to think of as many puns as I could. And <laughs> I, I hated myself and decided to, to avoid them. Because you can only go so far, you know. But Bach was the the, the, the one that was going to win the... Johann Sebastian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, the origins of Bach beer are uh, quite uncharted. Back in medieval days, German monasteries would brew a, brew a strong beer for sustenance during the, the Leighton fasts. Yeah, that's what they were for. Um, <laughs> Precisely. Some believe that uh, the name Bach came from the shortening of uh, Einbeck, thus Beck to Bach. Uh, which mean which means all box come from Beck beer, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's all we can bring from that. Yeah. Uh, others believe it is more of a pagan or, or old world reference that uh, the beer was only brewed uh, during the sign of the Capricorn goat, hence the goat being associated with Bach beers. I don't know if I've ever noticed there being goats associated with it, I say as I look oh, at my yeah. Bach beer with a goat on the label. Is no, say, yeah, uh, I... we'll talk about it in a little bit, but yeah, goats are a big part. I, I don't know. I guess I just never noticed. Um, basically, this is beer that uh, this was the beer that symbolized a symbol for better times to come and moving away from winter. Back into the heat. Everything sucks. <laughs> We're the only ones that are like, no, winter, come back. Yeah. As for the beer itself in the modern day, it's a bottom fermenting lager that generally takes uh, extra months of lagering uh, to smooth out such a strong brew. Uh, Bach beer is generally stronger than your typical lager, more robust malt character with a dark amber to brown hue, and the hop bitterness can be assertive enough to balance, though it must not get in the way of the malt flavor. Uh, most are only lightly hopped, and it usually ranges in the uh, ABV range of 55 to 7.5%. Now, we consulted our old friend, the BJCP Guide. So it's a good friend to keep around. It's a handy friend. We've got a few a few Bach categories we'd like to talk about. You mean there's more than one Bach? There is. It's like uh, it's like the Star, Star Trek movie, and 
old Bach went back in time and met <laughs> new timeline Bach and said, screw the timeline. Let me just tell you a little thing, a few things about Khan. <laughs> I just shoved two movies together and made puns the whole time. Uh, first one up is uh, the Maybach or Hellas Bach. Uh, usually it's got a strong malty aroma, uh, often with a lightly toasted quality. Moderate to low on uh, noble, uh, moderate to no, moderately low to no. Having a, I'm having a day, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> Apparently, all of us are because I cannot speak to save my life. Uh, moderately low to no noble hop aroma and often a spicy quality, and none of that buttery diacetyl taste. Fruity. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had a stroke. What happened? Esters. That's what it was. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, fruity esters should be low to none. There should never be esters because I don't know what they are. <laughs> and uh, some alcohol may be noticeable. And, you know, most of the time that that seems. I feel like I get more Maybox than anything. Huh. Yeah, I want to say like the Bach I'm most familiar with is a barrel aged one, so that doesn't really lend. <laughs> we need to try more. Is what it comes down to. Possibly. Like I mean, I've had. Uh, I've had some of the others, but this is the one that I'm probably the most familiar with. Uh, it's usually a deep gold to light amber color, and lagering should provide good clarity. Uh, large, creamy, persistent, white head. I gotta say, a Hellas is... I love a good Hellas. Oh, oh yeah. I think yeah. it was one of the first beers Casey brewed that I had was his Hellas he did. It was last year about this time that he did it. And No, um, you've had one of Casey's beers before then, but well, it was one of the first beers. I'm just saying the first one you yeah. probably had was like years ago. It was that uh, double or triple that, walker, what did he call it? It was the Scotch Walker. Yeah. Scotch Walker Ale. <laughs> the the Johnny Walker Scotch Walker Ale. Or, yeah, something like that. Let's just upend three bottles of Johnny Walker <laughs> into this. Bur- let's, yeah, let's bourbon barrel age this beer. Some scotch. With a, <laughs> And then let's pour some Johnny Walker scotch into it. I don't think that's normally how you make scotch ale. But it was no. pretty tasty. <laughs> I will say that. It was good. All right, let's see. The Maybach flavor is a rich flavor of continental European pale malts, uh, or usually what dominates. A Pills malt flavor with some toasty notes and or melodin. I don't know that word. See, this uh, is why I took this out. <laughs> we were talking pre-show. Melanoidans. <laughs> Melanoidans. That's what I was trying to say. I. Someone was uh, pruning down words that they knew we would be tripping and stumbling over. What did I say? <laughs> she was just like, "No, we pr- don't need these words." It's like, no one's gonna know what we're talking about anyway, and we can't say them. <laughs> She's not wrong, but it was funny that because like. She said, I'm trying to, I, I cut all of these out. I was like, oh, we'll see. I know I'm going to find one. Uh, Lo and behold. <laughs> behold. Uh, there's also little no caramelization in it. Uh, in Maybox, uh, there may be a light DMS flavor from the Pills malt. And like I said before, probably not much hop flavor in it. Uh, there may be a spicy or peppery quality from the hops or alcohol. And a moderate bitterness, uh, uh, but more in balance than in another box. 
there's no real fruity esters or diacetyl, but it's well attuned, not cloying, and has a moderately dry finish uh, that will taste of both malt and hops. And that's that's pretty accurate, actually. That's mm-hmm. that's the thing I always kind of notice when I'm tasting a really good. You, you, you finish it off, and it's it's got some of that. It's got a little bit of hop flavor, but nothing that's you know blowing you away. Yeah, I think the the Hellas is probably the more bitter of the ones that I've had. Like that's what makes it. That's mm-hmm. what I think of when I have it. Because uh, Moraline here has a has a, a hell, like a beer. signature Hellas. Yeah, yeah, is Hellas. Oh. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh this beer is a fairly recent development in comparison to some of the others in the bonk family the serving of may bonk is, speci- is specifically associated with springtime and the month of may for hitler and germany see we could have gone first of may first of may but no we decided to go producers <laughs> Yeah, it's usually got an IBU of around uh, 23 to 35 and ABVs from 6.3 to 7.4. You're just so. making me want a lock, <laughs> and it's out of season right now. It is, and you know what? <laughs> I went hunting to make sure I could find some. <laughs> there are a and few, I, very and few. And I succeeded with a six-pack, so I'm going to drink all I want. <laughs> All right, so uh, moving into the second type, uh, we have a traditional Bach. So um, the aroma on this is going to be strong malt um, and virtually no hops at all. So um, you might notice some uh, alcohol in the in the aroma, uh, but again, none of the fruity esters or diacetyl. Um, you're going to see the light copper to brown color and... Um, Lagering should provide good clarity to it as well. And then you get the creamy, persistent, off-white head on this one. So a little bit different. Um, the complex maltiness is dominated by the rich flavors of Munich and Vienna malts. And then you get a little bit of hot bitterness. Um, but it's only high enough to support the malt flavors. Um, this allows a bit of sweetness to linger into the finish. Again, no esters or diacetyl in this one um and then no roasted or burnt character in the traditional uh bach are there are there uh esters or diacetyl in in any of these i'm gonna say no i, I mean mm. yeah i don't think bachs are You're not typically gonna, gonna, gonna be at, at the very least there's probably no diacetyl i don't think i can think of a bach that's gonna taste buttery no no and definitely i mean well i guess you might get some fruit somewhere but yeah for the most part no um, on the esters part. Um, the traditional Bach um, is uh, is from northern Germany uh, in Einbeck, which kind of talked about a little bit on the Maybach one. Einbeck! <laughs> it was the brewing center and popular exporter in the days of Hanseatic Hanse- League. Yes, that's correct. Sweet. The Hanseatic League. Um, recreated in Munich starting in the 17th century, and it was named Bach based on the corruption of the name Einbeck. <laughs> In the Bavarian dialect. Maybe uh, it was supposed to be Ein Bach. Yeah. I need one Bach. <laughs> um, so it was only, uh, that term was actually only used once the beer came to Munich. Uh, Bach also means Billy Goat in German. Oh, there we go. Okay. Oh, yeah. So it's often used in the logos and advertisements for Bach. <laughs> well, that makes a lot more sense now. Um, so the traditional Bach, Bach's you're going to have. Go- sheep 
go to heaven. Fox, go to hell. Nice. Uh, 20 to 27 IBUs. Again, not a lot of bitterness on those. And then uh, 6.3 to 7.2% ABV. Um, so high-ish on a lot of these. Um, yeah, like not... It's it's strange because like when we think high now, we think like 11, 12%. Yeah. Well, yeah. Historically, high, high was... is like over five. Yeah, six or seven would be right. moderately high. Well, and uh, the, the, the Maybach is usually more of like a fest beer. The traditional Bach probably is a little bit less that, but still. Yeah. Like still be able to drink a whole ton of them. Yeah, probably. Especially with the low bitterness there. Yeah. Um, the next we have the Doppelbach, which I'm sh- I think this is probably mm-hmm. one that most people have heard of, too. Yeah, this is the other one that I'm familiar with. Yeah. Sam Adams brews one and puts it out in, like, I think two of their big seasonal packs. Oh, yeah, yeah, probably. Um, so the aroma from this one is a strong maltiness. Um, and then there's, so there's darker and lighter versions of the Doppelbach. The darker versions are going to have um, also a toasty aroma. And then you're going to get the um, light caramel flavor from those as well because of the long boil. The lighter versions are going to have a strong malt presence with uh, lighter toasty notes. So darker version, which makes sense, is going to be a bit toastier. Um, there's also, again, no, almost no hop aroma whatsoever. Um, though you can get um, noble hops. It might stand out in the lighter versions. There's also, again, no diacetyl. So, um, again, these beers are not known for being that that buttery. The butteriness you probably get mostly from, like, stouts, you know, um, mm. maybe some porters. There's also... Uh, maybe, um, maybe I eat popcorn when I eat my buck. <laughs> Drink my buck, not eat it. Maybe you just uh, I mean, maybe you'd rather just something. get the bottle of liquid butter flavoring popcorn <laughs> and take a big swig of that. I mean... <laughs> I don't need to go work hard for it. Dad's probably got a jug somewhere back at the house, back home. Jeez. Mm. Movie butter popcorn. I can feel my arteries clogging right now. <laughs> um, so uh, you're going to get low fruity aspects on the aroma of this. Um, but you do, I guess, get some on the Doppelbach. And it's going to be some prune, plum, and grape possible. Um, mm. But again, on the darker versions, not not as much. It's mostly about that malt and toast. Uh, you get a slight chocolate aroma, though, on the darker ones, but no roasted or burnt aromatics should be there. The appearance of these, again, because there's two different versions, really, um, you get a deep gold to dark brown. Uh, the darker versions have more uh, red ruby highlights. Lagering kind of provides clarity on these, and then you're going to get that creamy, persistent head on both. Then uh, the flavor, rich and malty, which I think that's why I prefer Doppelbox to any of the other ones. Um, the darker versions are going to have significant melanoidins uh, and <laughs> often some toasty flavors. Uh, the lighter versions are going to have more of that malty taste and a, just lighter on the toast. Um, you're going to get a little bit of a chocolate flavor even on the darker versions, um, but it, again, not perceived as roasty or burnt. Um, although I think I'd prefer the roasty chocolate or something. Um, no diacetyl, slight bit of fruitiness. Again, the prunes, the grape taste. Um, and then you're going to have a presence of higher alcohols, um, but very low. 
little to no hop flavor, and the hop bitterness does kind of vary from moderate to moderately low. Um, these just, I mean, these beers just sound very drinkable to me. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm getting thirsty already. And they should <laughs> and be. Yeah, I'm, them. it's perfect outside because we're at that point in fall where it's like early spring because it's, it's pretty chilly out and I would need a maltier beer hmm. to go with yeah. what I'm doing. I, I chose poorly <laughs> for this episode. Well, to go with the episode what I'm drinking is delicious, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, the history of the Doppelbach. So it's a Bavarian specialty that was first brewed in Munich by the monks of St. Francis of uh, Paula. Uh, sure. Historical versions were less att- attenuated than modern interpretations and uh, consequently higher sweetness and lower alcohol levels. So that's why it was considered liquid bread by the monks. Mm. The term doppel, or double, Bach, was coined by Munich consumers. Many doppelbachs have names ending in A-T-O-R, either as a tribute to the prototypical salivator, no, (laughs) Salvatore, Salvatore, sorry, or take advantage of the beer's popularity. Uh, These are 7 to 10% ABV and 16 to 26 IBUs. So, Uh, like... The double Bachinator. The Bachinator. (laughs) But yeah, so those are a little bit higher on the uh, on the alcohol than the Hellas. It's going to be the name of uh, the next of Delatter's when we make Delatter's Brewing. It's going to be uh, we're going to have the uh, we're going to have Debacinator. Debacinator is that going to be the box the Doppelbach from yeah. Delatter's? From Delatter's. All yeah. right. I don't think this, I've this, seen this podcast is going to be the creation of Delatter's. Oh yeah, it's going to happen. Somebody's going to do it. I don't think I've seen the lighter versions of Doppelbach. To me, I always picture them as darker. I get, yeah, I've only seen it like poured out and, oh, it's dark. Yeah. So I, I didn't know there were two different styles of a, of the same thing, really. All right. Well, consulting your BJCP guide, uh, entry 5D is going to be the Icebach. There was some bum, discussion bum, 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 bum. pre-show as to exactly how to say it. And for English speakers, it is Icebach. Ice, Icebachy. <laughs> no. no he's gonna be in town uh with uh salt and pepper that i love the 90s tour they added vanilla ice just stop and coolio is gonna be there come on you want to you want to see coolio salt and pepper come on i want to see I, it i want to hear one song a piece from them there's right. so many people on the tour they can only, i'm sure they're only playing like their three hits or their three <laughs> decent songs and then they just move on Gangster's Paradise from Coolio. I can't even hear that Salt and Peppa song without thinking of the scene from Grandma's Boy. Yeah. She's just like losing it. See, I, I can't hear uh, Gangster's Paradise uh, going to Weird Al and Amish yeah. Paradise. Exactly. And I can't hear uh, I, uh, Ice Ice Baby without hearing uh, Under Pressure. Or rather, wishing I was hearing Under Pressure. Mm, yeah. What was it? Um. Oh, what's his name from Tesla that started Tesla? Elon Musk. Elon Musk, yes, was apparently driving around in his all-electric car blasting uh, Amish Paradise. (laughs) That seems likely, And he was tweeting about it. Uh, How am I not best friends with Elon Musk? (laughs) Because we're not all Tony Stark. Okay. (laughs) No, we're not. Your icebox, uh, when it comes to your aroma and your icebox, it's going to be dominated by a balance of rich, intense malts. 
and uh, definite alcohol presence. So, yeah, you're going to be getting some alcohol tinge. Uh, no hop aroma kind of carries over through all these. Mm -hmm. uh, no diacetyl. Again, carries through all these. May have significant fruity esters, though. Oh. You still awake? Still awake, Bob? <laughs> Particularly those reminiscent of plum, prune, or grape. Alcohol aromas should not be harsh or solventy. Which, That's uh, not a word. The, the doc is insisting solvent e is not a word it's not uh your appearance on your ice box is going to be a uh, deep copper to dark brown in color which is really more of what i associate with the way a box is going to look mm -hmm. uh it's going to have attractive ruby highlights uh lagering should provide good clarity your head retention may be impaired by the higher than average alcohol content, though. Not the only thing that's going to be impaired by a higher than average alcohol content. <laughs> oh! oh. Uh, it's going to have low carbonation. Uh, you're going to see off-white to deep ivory color head. Hmm. Uh, but flavor, mm, that nice flavor in your icebox is going to be rich, sweet, malt-balanced by a significant alcohol presence. Yeah, I can say I that's definitely there. As yeah. the way I see it with the top of walk, it's got that presence as well. But I guess this one may be topping a little bit more. Uh the malt can have toasty qualities, some caramel and occasionally a slight chocolate flavor. Ooh. No hop flavor. If okay, if you're getting a chocolate flavor, maybe that's uh part of what's going into the Sam Adams chocolate box. Is they're Probably. just using an ice box and not actually adding that might be. chocolate to it. There was discussion about what of Sam Adams seasonal stuff is Bach and what's not. Yeah, apparently they use a lot of Bach uh, recipes for some of their staple beers, and they don't. They don't for their seasonal staples. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, seasonal staples. But they do specifically do have a Bach beer, also. So. Yes. All right. Uh, hot bitterness just offsets the malt sweetness enough to avoid cloying character. No diacetyl. Uh, may have significant fruity esters. Still awake. Oh, what? Who? Monkeys? <laughs> Particularly those reminiscent of plum, prune, or grape. The alcohol should be smooth, not harsh or hot, and should help hot bitterness balance the strong malt presence. The finish should be of malt and alcohol and can have a uh, certain dryness from the alcohol. Yeah, I've always found box to be a little on the drier side. Mm -hmm. uh, should not be sticky, syrupy, or sweet. Uh, it should be a clean lager character. Uh, the comments on this one are going to be Icebox are not simply stronger Doppelbox. The name reflects uh, refers to the process of freezing and concentrating the beer. Some Doppelbox are stronger than Icebox. I think those are probably the Doppelbox I've had then. Because reading this <laughs> one, I was like, this is sounding more like the Doppels I've had. But, alright. Uh, extended lagering is often needed post-freezing to smooth the alcohol and enhance uh, the malt and alcohol balance. Any fruitiness is due to Munich and other specialty malts. Not I love yeast. that they, like, they literally just... No, we straight up freeze this beer. <laughs> yeah. You don't just like, oh, no, it's kind of cool. We'll keep it a certain... No, frozen <laughs> ice buck. Yeah, I mean, that the, the name actually kind of says it. It's made pretty harshly, so they, they're like, oh, let's just actually let this one freeze. <laughs> then we'll thaw it. <laughs> uh... Not yeast-derived esters develop, or, yeah, yeast-derived. Let me try that again. 
Yeast-derived esters developed <laughs> during fermentation. Why that was so hard to say, I don't know. Uh, traditional Kumbach specialty brewed by freezing a Doppelbach and removing the ice to concentrate the flavor and alcohol content, as well as any defects. Wow. <laughs> when you Just think about it that my... way... <laughs> I'm picturing those giant uh, ice tongs that they used to use, you know, for ice boxes. And yeah. ice boxes, not ice box. <laughs> that, that didn't help clarifying. Anyway. And the rest of what I was going to say magically vanished in front of my face. Yeah. But just picturing, like, someone reaching into a big vat of uh, of beer and pulling out the <laughs> the water, essentially. It's like, oh. Let's get this out of here. That's useless. <laughs> Let's get down to the important bits in there. <laughs> Yeah, your on your ice box, uh, your IBUs are going to be twenty five to thirty five. Again, none of these it's, are going to have high IBUs. It's low, but it's actually higher than a lot of the other ones, which is odd. Now the the, the ABV, ABV on this one, is where you're yeah. going to see it nine to fourteen percent. Yeah, the IB or the oh. ABV is higher than any of them. A fourteen percenter on a box. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Okay, I know we're not going over examples yet, but the ice box sounds the most appealing to me. And I went to look at examples on, like, Beer Advocate. I've never heard of literally any of these, but Harpoon makes an ice ice baby is what they call it. Spelled like Icebox. All right. And I've got to find this. Well, some uh, interesting Bach tidbits, and we'll continue on that conversation. Uh, National Bach Day in the U.S. is March 20th. Hmm. So everyone, you know, prepare your box. Which is around springtime, so that, yeah. that, that makes sense. It's it's not the first of May, so I guess springtime for Hitler was the correct choice. I <laughs> I yield to your choice, Chris. Damn straight. <laughs> in the United States, uh, Bach and its substyles are popular in all parts of the country. Shiner Bach was first brewed in Texas in 1913 and became a year-round brew in 1973. Uh, apparently, old Shiner Bach. Oh yeah, that's still around. You can find yeah. it any time of the year. Uh, Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado, was well known for its Bach beers that it formerly brewed every spring. Formerly. Keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. And not to uh, beat this dead horse, but the city of Cincinnati, Ohio, has hosted a celebration called Bachfest since 1992 that celebrates Bach beer. Uh, Cincinnati neighborhood of Over the Rhine, the city's German heritage, and the coming of spring. Bachfest mm. in Cincinnati is the longest-running and largest Bach beer festival in the world. That, that kind of... Yeah. Okay, this is a beer city. I it is. I break it to you all, but it's just kind of how it is. It's not us just boasting about our city. We don't help, but yeah. No. <laughs> and it is something to see. Like, they have a massive parade downtown for it and everything. They're, and they're, they literally brought goats last time. They're a goat. A, they bring goats out. They make a giant goat, uh, like a goat effigy, out of uh, beer barrels and just all kinds of wood. They make a big goat. Everyone dresses up like monks and yeah. carry this effigy goat through the streets. We didn't get to go See, last year when we just heard about it, and we're like, "What?" <laughs> See, I'm picturing like monks being tied and they're pu pulling it like it's a, a float in a parade. Meanwhile, they're doing the the Monty Python and the Holy Grail thing of Domine thud as they hit themselves with planks. No, they're hitting themselves, but it's with steins of beer. Hmm. Tink. <laughs> So yeah, Cincinnati's a big drinking town, and 
I mean, we host some of uh, the biggest beer festivals in the world. That's what they're about. That's what we're about, son. We know what we're about. Um, so, yeah, so we did try to get some examples of Bach beers. Uh, Shiner Bach is probably the most notable, I guess. Again, because it's year-round, I imagine, is why. But everybody's kind of seen this somewhere. If you don't think that you have, trust me, you have. And then, yeah, so the Bach from Sam Adams is... Oh, they have two. Never mind. They have multiple They bucks. probably have like seven. I don't know. Uh, Samuel Adams Chocolate Bach and then Samuel Adams Cherry Chocolate Bach, which sounds interesting. Um, and I didn't know Yingling had a Bach. Yeah, I think it's one of their seasonal things. Also, they don't distribute here, so right. I wouldn't know. Michelob makes a Bach? I don't remember seeing a Bach on their official list of beers. Maybe they don't do it anymore. Hmm. Oh, there's another Sam Adams one on this list. Toasted Caramel Bach. That was the one in this year's. Yeah, the Fall Variety Pack. We tried yeah. that one. That was fine. That was, was all right. Yeah. Uh, Pandora's Bach. Uh, that should get the Best Name Award. At Water Winter Bach, yeah. Brother Benedict's Bach from Granite City. It's odd because it's not Bach season, but there's a lot of... Well, it's when you brew them. Winter-themed Bachs. Yeah. Yeah, brew... one of the things I'd seen was like you... You brew in winter to to have them near the end of winter, beginning of spring. Yeah, okay. And there was a pre-show scandal broke out. We were trying to figure out, apparently, Sam Adams' winter lager is based on a Bach recipe, but they don't claim it to be Bach, but apparently some sources do. Beer Advocate had it as that, but Sam the wording on Samuel Adams' website isn't, it's not obvious to me, but like it's worded oddly. But then it's still called a winter lager. So, but a bock, yeah. a lager, a bock is a kind of lager. So it could go either way. <laughs> right. But then there's also um, untapped and rate beer do not classify it as a bock. Right. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. Anything, uh, do we have anything else to add to uh, the bock category? Or mm, not at this time. I think that's going to finish up. Uh... Finished box. Other than it tastes good, and yeah. I like them. Yeah, I, I, like I want to try more of them, more varieties, I think. I like them aged in bourbon barrels with all the flavorings added. What was that, maple? Yeah, I just want that. Um, <laughs> all right, well, let's get into what we're drinking then. Drink with me, friend. So I am almost finished with this. I was trying to pace myself, but I don't know why now. Um, this came in uh, the New Belgium um folly pack that they do like their kind of variety deal i don't know how to say this i'm gonna go with beljo because it's a belgian style ipa belgo. yeah it's either belgo or beljo it's probably belgo either way it looks like there's like a disco ball on the label <laughs> um yeah so it's it's pretty good um it's as it's an odd color for an ipa it's like this gorgeous almost amber color um very clear and uh it's seven percent abv and the rate beer score was oh it's 60 ibus also um but the rate beer score is 89 for um the overall and 82 for the style so fairly high on this one yeah um you know it's new belgium i have yet to really try anything i'm not a fan of of theirs uh this kind of falls in line with that i would definitely get it again and to drink it, but um, there's just a little bit of bitterness on the end that's a little that d- deters me a bit. But um, no, otherwise it's it's a good like it's definitely not a session IPA. It's just a straight IPA with some other character in there. 
and again the the odd color uh but it's it's pretty tasty i would recommend at least somebody trying it you know um but yeah if you, and really getting the folly pack from new belgium is always a good way to go i i don't think there's anything in there that's not worth drinking it's always a good decision yeah i mean you get your yeah. fat tire your blue paddle pilsner your um gosh what else was in there they changed the folly packs up yeah yeah this is the this is the one that i think was ending it's already ended ending summer yeah we it's just, over we it's all over no one can have it we just happened to get it on closeout. <laughs> All right. Well, I've been drinking uh, the Anchor Bach beer from Anchor Brewing. Mm, the only Anchor. person to stick with the theme today. <laughs> I mean, I'm usually the only one who stinks, sticks to the theme most episodes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, to be fair, if I match the theme, it's just sheer coincidence. <laughs> Uh, I took today's episode as a specific challenge from you guys because I'm in my liquor store hunting for beer. <laughs> like, uh, I started to create your own odds. It's like, oh, I just need like one or two or something. It'll be fine. Over to the, uh, the, the regular section, I go over to the, the cold create your own section. I can find one Shiner Bach, and I'm like, I don't want you. <laughs> uh,. So I go, I go hunting through there, and I find one. I find one Bach beer that they have a six pack of in their craft section, and it's this Anchor Bach beer, uh, coming in at five point five ABV. Uh, no one gives me an IBU, and uh, the rate beer score is eighty eight overall and ninety eight for style. Mm. So. Real good, and I have to agree. Like I, I started the episode. I've been drinking a couple of these as the show is going on, and it's. I tried that first bit, and I was like, "Oh my god, oh it's it's so refreshing and delicious." Where have you been all my life, beer? I have yet to have a bad beer from Anchor, mm. and that just makes me want more of their beers. Yeah, it's 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 really nice. Uh, so that's that's what I've been drinking this episode. I, I I would highly recommend it. It's yeah, no, it's it's like just as we're going over the stuff in Bach, I'm like, yeah, no, that's there, that's it. Well, I as always am not drinking to the episode. Uh, <laughs> I've actually finally dove into a lot of the beer we brought back with us from the West Coast. Um, finally, run out of pumpkin stuff. No, actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of sick of it. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Been kind of pumpkined out, and we've still got two big bombers of pumpkin stuff to get into. Well, we're going to be drinking a little bit more of it after the show. <laughs> but I am drinking a Wolf Pup from Golden Road. It's a session IPA. It's only coming in at about 4.5, which for a session beer is a little high. Well, it's kind of where you'd want to see it. But IBUs, I couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, apparently, there are none. Lots. <laughs> But, Medium uh, amount. Who knows? Your rate beer score, it came in overall at 95, I think. Uh, to the style, it was 97, so it's high. But yeah, yeah. it's really good, refreshing, uh, real citrusy. Mm-hmm. And that the entire time I'm drinking, I was like, man, in dead heat of summer, this would be awesome. That's the one from Brian, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got that in our beer swap with Brian. So oh, man. cheers, Brian. It is a great one. And yeah, back during summer, this would have been perfect. Now that it's a little chilly out, and we were just reading through all this, I'm like, man, I could go for a bock. <laughs> I just want more fryer bacon, but 
But no, the wolf flip was really good because I tried to drink when he first poured it. Uh, I wish I could have gotten something from Brian. <laughs> I mean, <sighs> you'll still be around. We're cracking that stuff open. Oh, yeah. I know. I'm just like, like I hear it. I'm like, I can't find that. That sounds really good. It's our. It, we'll never be able to find it otherwise, unless we. Maybe we can. You know. Maybe we can get some when we all go to Utah next year. Maybe. Possibly. We'll find out. Yeah. Okay. Any announcements? Anyone? Anyone have anything to say? Rude comment. Um. I would just say check out the uh, the Cincy Brewcast episode to hear us on there. Um. Yeah. Other than that, I got nothing. We were not what? on the live feed. There were technical difficulties and on Periscope, you, yeah, because they, they feed on Periscope. If, if you watch the feed on Periscope, you just saw the pillar that was behind the iPad that was doing the live feed. Yeah, and then, on the bright side, you didn't have to look at me. <laughs> and the brewery was a big party; like it was. There were so many people there. We could barely, even with headphones on, we could barely hear each other sitting right next to each other. It was, it was loud. <laughs> Can I say, I, I meant to say this in the beginning of the show, but, like, Gnarly Gnome, he he is ready for, like, like oh, no, you, you've hit a lull in the thing. Let's pick up that conversation, direct into a new topic. I was like, this man has been interviewing for a little bit now, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but he had a very good setup, and it was a good time. And, yeah, other than that, I don't think we have any other announcements. Nope. I think it, yeah, nothing's really coming up on the horizon, I don't think. Drink more beer. <laughs> All right, um... Well, since that is it, uh, be sure to subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com and follow us at haveadrinkshow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Please, please, please make sure when you go subscribe or go check us out to rate us on iTunes. It helps spread the word and gets us uh, noticed. Or go outside, wear a sandwich sign, (laughs) says have a drink show. Right. But one of those Uh, makes you look a little less crazy. True. I mean, depends on what you want. <laughs> depends on what you write in the review, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, if you want to tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback, use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com, and you can also use the feedback page on the website. And guys, all joking and fun aside, we'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. No drinking and driving. No, well, I would say drinking to excess, but... If you're going to drink it to excess, at least stay home and do it. Stay home. <laughs> or have a DD. Or, or have a DD. Uber, Lyft, they're not that expensive. Uber is built into Untapped now. Remember yeah, that. You can call so. a ride. You can check into your beer and call a ride at the same time. Yep. All right. Uh, so check us out in another couple of weeks for the next episode. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker, and we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye.